0: listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast.
1: Quarantine Kelly in full effect.
0: Hey. Miniskirt weather is here, here, here. Welcome, babe, I welcome got to r- OK, babe. really well dressed to go to Target today.
1: Yeah. And you also got banged out. I did.
0: Damn. That's what happens when you wear a miniskirt.
1: It is, I guess. I don't know. I haven't ever worn one. Oh, I did wear one one time. <laughs> I did wear a miniskirt one time.
0: For what? It was fucking sexy. It was good. Were you uh, shirt cocking, skirt cocking?
1: No, I was. Uh, <laughs> we had at our homecoming, at our at our my senior year uh, pep rally. They do like um in my hometown. They have something called the uh, All American Girl Pageant. Oh God! So um, and it's just like a pat. It's just like a standard pageant thing. But they for our pep rally, one of our like homecoming pep rallies, we did the All American Guy Pageant. And so a few of the like a few of the the athletes, you know, some of my friends like did different, different like skits basically. <laughs> like one guy did a ribbon dance. It was fucking hilarious. He, and, and he was, so he was a 300 pounder doing a ribbon dance, oh. right? I put my hair, I had kind of long hair, like they, they wouldn't let us have hair that came out, the, out, out of the bottom of our helmet, like, like a uh, sunshine on, remember sunshine. the Titans. But, um, but I had pretty long hair. And so I, I had the girls put it in uh, like cornrows and then I lip sank Britney Spears
0: damn i don't remember which song my
1: mom still has the vhs though
0: oh we gotta find that we gotta yeah. find a vhs to play it on <laughs> she
1: has she has one. Oh my god of we can convert it to digital and get that out for everybody so good i wonder what song i sang i don't know but it was good damn i fucking crushed
0: you know it, why i like recording this show with you is because i feel like when we are recording it's when i learn all the good stuff about you
1: because i don't talk to you because we actually don't have a, actually we don't have a real relationship no it's, it's all for a break, it's all for okay, pr and and, yeah. and uh okay babe yeah. So I really, I don't even live here.
0: I mean, I wish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but today's guest is uh, my good friend, Jenna Scare.
0: Oh, I love her. I'm so happy I finally met her. She's
1: intimidatingly smart.
0: She is so smart. And
1: recently engaged.
0: Engaged. Yay, Jen.
1: Yeah. So, so cute because she guys. talks
0: about her boyfriend a lot in this and they're, they're very, they're
1: like smitten with each other. It's so adorable. Oh they my are. gosh. And it's nice. Cause I met her when she was going through a pretty uh, challenging breakup when I had her on the realness for the first time.
0: Yeah. So if you guys haven't listened to that, holy shit, that's one of the best episodes yeah, I've she's ever heard. Talking
1: about infidelity and trust and, and communication. Really good, really good episode. So we'll, we'll link to that in the, in the show notes. But this episode is about the body, the body. Now, she is a doctor of physical therapy. So she's like we said, intimidatingly smart but also very relatable.
0: Yes. Somehow. And so tiny. She's so tiny. She is loving. <laughs> um, What I love about Jen is her perspective. And she actually talks a lot about that in different experiences and things that have happened to her that have allowed her to gain that perspective. And within that, the connection to her body. And we get really deep into holding trauma and emotions in our body and how that physically manifests. She talks about a car accident she was in and just different ways and things that she's seen within her clients. Um, and how you can work through that, how you can get connected and listen to your body in order to have that awareness. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of this is about gratitude as well, because when you've worked with as many people as she has, especially when she took her most of her business online, like she's getting, you're getting exposure to hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. It's really she talks about how it's we, we so many of us are just like oh my knee hurts after a after a run or whatever and she's like yeah well you know I I work with people who who are just trying to get themselves to get into their own wheelchair without help and that to me to, to her excuse me is so much more rewarding and she's, it's given her so much more context on on gratitude for her physical body and, and sharing that with people. So it's really an amazing conversation. I, I just love her to death.
0: Yeah. I love her too. We're super grateful. And this is just really powerful again to get quiet and gain that awareness. We're so excited for you guys to meet Jenna scare.
1: Yeah. And Hey, just from just a quick reminder, if you, uh, if you're into this show, if you dig it, we're almost to a hundred reviews.
0: Yeah, we are. We? Mm. Yeah.
1: We're getting close.
0: I'm giving away turmeric from Drink Resilience, my girlfriend's incredible company. She lives in New York. And this is the way Connor and I are supporting small businesses right now. So if you guys leave a review for the show, just send either of us a screenshot with your full name and your mailing address, and I will send you a gift worth $30 To support Anjali and it's the best turmeric ever. It's what we drink on a daily basis. We both love it and just excited to show up for her at this time.
1: Yeah, Joe Rogan talks a lot about turmeric, so you know it's good. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Enjoy the show. Love you.
0: So how did you originally get into this obsession with the way the body moves and functions and feels and looks?
2: Yeah. You know, I've just always been obsessed with movement since a young age. And I'm so grateful to be able to say that I'd grown up in a family that cultivated that environment. Like that was just a part of life. It wasn't something that I had to question or figure out, or it was a part of life. Like I can remember riding my bike next to my mom running Mm -hmm. and we'd go on family trips where we'd be like wakeboarding every summer because we had a boat or we'd be um, going on vacations and skiing in the mountains and doing different things. So it was like, we always had a very active family. We had to be a part of a a sport growing up as well, (laughs) which is I'm super grateful for. Like Some people would be like, oh, that that's a lot. But at the same time, it taught me discipline. It taught me commitment. It taught me so many different uh, work ethic and hard work and so many different things that I just appreciate in terms of values of who I am because of committing to a sport and really being in that. So I'm grateful my parents did that. And it so it fueled my passion to like continue to learn about the body. I loved anatomy, I loved biology. So I was like, okay, let me just do the study of human movement, kinesiology, because that sounds most exciting to me for college. And so went and did that. and then, as I was interning for as an aide, it was like watching how a physical therapist would watch movement or feel movement within their hands. That's when I was like, okay. That's what I want to do. Like, I want to understand how I can help someone in their body journey and how I can like see it and feel it and be a part of it, like in such a greater way.
0: Was there a part of you that realized that not everyone else had the same upbringing as you and didn't have the same connection with their body and movement?
2: Totally. Yeah. I like to say, like, you don't have to hit rock bottom in order to learn. Like, as long as you're open to taking the lessons from other people along the way, then you can continue to learn. And I think we're in an environment where we're cultivating that as well with podcasts and, you know, informational ways on through social media to just be able to learn from people. If you take the time to take those tools. And so you don't have to have gone from like fat to fit to figure it out. So my whole thing was like, okay, how can I get people back into the basics and to the understanding and to the deeper reasons as to why? And it was really going through PT school where I met so many different people who had cerebral palsy or junior rheumatoid arthritis, where- it put things in bigger perspective for me because working in a clinic, you'd get someone who's like, "Oh, after five miles, my knee hurts," and I'm like, "Oh, poor you." Yeah, you know, like it's hard yeah. to feel bad for you when you've worked with other people who like truly like getting them to get back into their wheelchair is their accessibility to live on their own, mm-hmm. you know, and it just me, it, it it put things on just such a greater scale as to how we can start to use the full capacity within our body and why that's even important to start to look at. And so that's where I really started to pull back layers and wanted to take people into.
1: You know what, I think one thing that makes you exceptional at what you do is just just that. And coming from, you know, I got I got a degree in kinesiology. Like I loved this stuff. And it was actually kind of the opposite because I was I was a fat kid, right? So I was mm-hmm. really until I lost weight and kind of came into my own I saw that transformation and wanted to share that with other people. Mm-hmm. And, and in the strength and conditioning world or the CrossFit world, you would see the worst coaches, generally speaking, were people that were just good at the things. Yeah, Like a gymnast was, in my opinion, one of the worst gymnastics coaches because they couldn't speak at a level where people could understand. You've been doing gymnastics since you were five. Like you've never not been able to do a muscle-up. And Now here you're talking to like a 45-year-old soccer mom and she can't understand what the fuck you're trying to say. And you're like, why you're, don't you're you talking get this? over her head? And <laughs> yeah. she because you're so excellent at this thing, people look up to you. It's almost, it's almost like you're missing an opportunity by not making it something that people can understand right. and take on. And I think the same thing goes for personal development or even psychology to a, to a point where pe- we, we go over people's heads to make ourselves feel more intellectual or more smart or more valuable. And we can't check our ego enough to say, Hey, let me, let me meet you where you are and have mm-hmm. enough of a connection and empathy with where you are to then actually make change. Mm-hmm. I think that's so, so common.
0: Yeah. Well, I think people resonate with your message because they see themselves in you because you speak to them in that way. And there's, there isn't an ego and there isn't, oh, I know so much. Let me, you know, let me show you all the ways. (laughs) You're like, oh, I understand this thing and I'm going to make it digestible. And now we can see, see clearly to each other. And I think that's really important the way you do that.
2: Thank you. I'm continuously trying to learn and understand how I can exactly what you said, meet people where they're at and get them on their own journey and understanding it's a personal journey. It doesn't need to look like mine. And that's why I hate to like, I feel like the fitness world is so restrictive in that where mm-hmm. it's like, well, how many reps do I do when, how many this and how much rest? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't like <laughs> to your own body. Yeah, yeah. What do you feel like doing? <laughs> and getting people back into that concept that yes, like we're here to guide you, but at the same time, we have to work with you in understanding your body. Like I can only guide you so far. You have to take the reins as well in order for this to actually work. Like I can't fix you. I'm not, I don't, I don't preach that message. I don't teach that message. If anyone comes in to see me as a physical therapist, like, yeah, I might put my hands and guide and I might do some manual work on you as well, but know that this manual work is only my way of tapping you into the nervous system on a different level so that we can make you feel safe and comfortable to move again. But nothing I do can permanently fix you. You have to get back into the cause and into your body on your own. That's the only way that you really heal. I mean it's the same thing of like weight loss. Like you're not going to go to a personal trainer and be like, well I'm just going to show up here and you're magically going to make me lose the weight. No, you have to do the work. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with physical therapy with the chiropractor with anything. And so thinking that someone else is going to fix you, like that's the concept that I'm trying to pull people out of because we've been taught such a broken model. Mm -hmm.
0: How do you help people gain access to their bodies again when so many people have gone through different types of trauma, whether it's car accidents, sexual assault, um, have been overweight and don't feel connected to who they are. And there's so many blocks how do you help them find that access again?
2: Well, for me, I am very aware that I'm stepping in and helping people in a physical aspect. I obviously want to open up the door to whatever that may <laughs> come with, right? So whether that is opening up to food, whether that's opening up to mindset and whatever personal traumas are coming along with it all, but I am i don't need to be the only one, a part of your journey. Mm. So I'm also open to guiding people to talk with someone else or to go to a nutritionist or a dietitian that I recommend or go to a psychologist that, or a life coach or whoever it may be that I also recommend a part of their journey. I don't have to be the only one. And even for like personal training, I don't have to be the only one who's gonna take you to your journey. I definitely only wanna get you started with like how pain talks to your body and like get you into movement that way. And then someone else can guide you into more corrective exercises and keep you on your plan. Mm.
1: Do, you, do you notice that starting with movement whenever you that that opens people up to the possibility of bringing other people into that journey like that they become more open to i would say even feedback or on the harshest terms like criticism as far as how they're how they're handling themselves because at the end of the day there's i feel like there's so many different aspects that go into like the physical body is usually like the canary in the coal mine right like there's a lot of other stuff going on for then this thing to happen whether it's shoulder pain or back pain or knee pain There are some psychosomatic things going on there. And does the, does the introduction of movement then open people up to more, I don't know, more feedback, I guess is the best way to say that.
2: You know, I think being able to have a full conversation with people. So it's might not even be the movement aspect that gets them to open up. But the fact that I don't work in a clinic where it's like constant turnover, you have to go see an aide, or you have to like, I Left a clinic for these reasons. I left a clinic so that I can have more personal time with the client and actually allow them the, the space to open up. And I think you have to allow that space for someone to be able to dive in. So then I, I can look beyond movement. I can talk to you about other things. I can talk about how nutrition could possibly play a role in what this inflammation <laughs> is happening within the body as well. And the feelings that you're like, just the extra sensitivity that you're feeling and why you might be having pain or experiences or life trauma or whatever it may be. Like I have to have full conversations with you in order to even open up the space of the possibility of them thinking beyond movement with me. Mm. So I think having my own space has really opened up that opportunity for people to dive in and expand their mindset in that way. As you've worked
0: with more and more people and you've taught more about this, what has it opened up for you in what you've learned about yourself taking on this role for others?
2: Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it's just like continuing to, to listen to my body. So it's the same message that I preach to other people. And I always say like, you know, there's three parts of a conversation. There's a conversation that people put on you in terms of what, what people might make up about your body or your health or whatever, like we're told constantly, like if you go to the doctor, they're going to diagnose you with something. They're going to put something onto you that a lot of people then internalize. And then that's where the internal conversation comes in of like, what am I making up about this now? What can I do within my body based on what the external conversation has been told to me? And so that's where a lot of people will then go in and internalize a lot of these things and put on those limiting beliefs within their body And then what I say is the most important part, which is not taught to us at all, is the listening portion. Because if you're listening to me, you're saying you're worth listening to. And it's the same thing within our body. You (laughs) are worth listening to if you just take that time to actually understand how to How to go along that journey, and so for me as well, it's taking that time and listening to my body. Or, like I love to bring up the example of when I got in a car accident and my right shoulder blade immediately like flared up, Mm -hmm. and I thought it was so cool because I was like, "Ah, see, this is exactly what I'm talking about." (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's a real life example, exactly. (laughs) Like
2: I'm in stress right now, and my right shoulder blade is like, "Hey, I feel you now." And as soon as I was able to acknowledge it, it went away. And so that's like what I'm trying to get people back into understanding. Like when we take the time to listen, it might not be the car accident. It might not be that I got a whiplash. It might just be that my body is like suddenly filled with this stress and these cortisol responses that are heightening my sensitivity to feeling the pain. And so if I can acknowledge it in a different way and create strategies to combat that stress, then I can automatically start talking and feeling my body in a different way. Have there,
0: sorry, babe, have there, (laughs) have there been, I just want to ask this question because I'm really curious. Have there been moments where you didn't listen to your body and you had to learn this the hard way, which brings more passion for you to teach this?
2: Um, I, I mean, I, Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) That was like a duh.
2: (laughs) No, I think it's just, it's, it's so funny because I've always been in control of my body, especially growing up as a gymnast. I was a gymnast for nine years. Mm -hmm. So I know my body, I know what I can do. I know how to like, you know, morph it and change it in all these different ways that I want to. And so I've always been in control of that, but it was like my Last year PT school, I think it was in the last year, um, I got really bad stomach pain, like to the point where I'd have to go to the hospital. I like, couldn't eat for a week. Like it was awful. Mm-hmm. But I knew it wasn't like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's or any of these other things because I'm taking pathology. I'm like, these symptoms don't match up. Like I don't have these other things. I just have really bad stomach pain and I can't eat and so all of course the only thing that was diagnosed was ibs and i'm like thank you for confirming my symptoms yes i have an irritable bowel right now but <laughs> Hello. that tells me nothing as to why and they're like oh stress and i'm like you know i'm competing in calisthenics i'm going to the beach like you should see some of my classmates they're stressed i'm fine yeah. <laughs> so it was like i couldn't accept that as like that's it and so i finally did a colonoscopy after the third time of going to the hospital. And I had a twisted colon in three places. But for me, what that taught me is that I have never listened to my body in terms of like constantly telling me that it's in pain. Mm. I didn't know that food could totally be a factor in why my stomach was always knotted up clearly um, in ways that I just didn't even know about because I was taught like, Oh, you know, if I have stomach pains, like that's just genetic, this is what I have to deal with. So I would like literally carry around gas X and Tums with me because it was just something that I knew I always had to deal with. I remember like laying down in the booth, if we'd go out to dinner, because like my stomach needs to relax before I could sit up and be like, okay, I can eat again.
0: (laughs) That's awful.
2: Like it was just what I dealt with. And it was just I was taught how to constantly mask symptoms. Oh, this is coming up. Let me pop a dumb. Like it wasn't, oh, this is coming up. What did I just eat? How am I feeling right now? Like I had no idea that those all related to each other. until I started to actually learn more about food. And then I started to learn about ingredients. And then I started to like just test different ways, like, okay, if I eat this, like, how do I feel after? And it was just a whole new way of like really starting to listen to my body. And then I didn't even know I had scoliosis until I was in grad school as well. And I remember getting an x-ray at a chiropractic office that I worked at uh, where I taught Pilates. And I thought I was like being punked at first. I was like, you threw up a fake one. Like, let's be real. That's not my spine. (laughs) And he was like, no, this is your spine. You have scoliosis. I was like, what? I had no idea. And so it was just crazy to me to like see these things. But what it taught me was that even though this is structurally how it might look, that doesn't mean that it has to affect me and it never has. I do crazy acro things. I do crazy handstand things and I want to continue to show people what's possible within the body rather than what they're limited by on an image.
1: Damn! So, um, <laughs> shook me there for a second. Yeah. Uh, when you said your shoulder was locking up, right? Yeah. And you said you had to acknowledge it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The first thing that came to mind is like, well, yeah, obviously it hurts. You're acknowledging it. But what does that acknowledgement really mean? How do you acknowledge your body and mm-hmm. and, can, and show your body, hey, I'm listening?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's understanding when your body like is going to go into these moments of talking to you. And I like to you know, bring people back to even just like a basic breath cycle. If we think about the inhalation phase and an exhalation phase, like if someone scares you, what do you usually do? (gasps) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, We go into an inhalation phase and we hold our breath and, and that immediately, like our body gets tense, our body gets tight and it increases its cortisol levels because that's a natural reaction within the body. And so it's just your body's way of trying to protect you And I think that is the acknowledgement, like in that moment of stress, like how is my body trying to protect me? And rather than saying like, oh no, this is bad. Why is this happening? Like, and increasing those levels of stress that we usually create around pain and the body, it's actually being like, oh, you're protecting me. Like, thank you. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for letting me still feel the ability to feel pain. Imagine if you couldn't feel pain. Imagine if you stepped on something, you had no idea if it was sharp or not that would be a problem. Or if we couldn't feel whether our organs were radiating different kinds of pains and we didn't know something internal was happening, like that can happen as well. And so we need to feel the pain. We need to feel the signals and being able to just acknowledge like, Hey, my body's trying to talk to me. Like, Hey, Like it's alerting me if I haven't been doing my mobility or if I haven't been working out very much or if I am super stressed right now, my body is just trying to alert me and signal me and protect me. And if I can start acknowledging it in this way of like, thank you for protecting me. Now let me take a step back rather than being afraid of what this pain is doing here. Like, let me take a step back and see why could this pain be here? And for me, it was like, acknowledging, yes, I just got in a car accident and everything was fine. Like I was fine. The person was fine. It wasn't a big car accident. So knowing that I'm not injured right now, my body's just stressed. And because I do have scoliosis, I obviously have imbalances within my body. And so different parts will get a little bit tighter. So my right shoulder blade really acts up in times of stress, but that's how I know that I'm not managing my own stress well, and I'm allowing it to go into my body. Mm. Something that's been
0: a big theme for me lately is this idea of safety in Mm -hmm. our bodies or lack thereof. And I actually had a guy on my show yesterday and I was talking about this and I realized that I've just been because my show is mostly women. So I've just been talking about women and not feeling safe for a myriad of reasons. But he was talking about how he doesn't feel safe in his body. And the way that manifests in so many ways, whether it's anxiety or pain or different you know, imbalances in your body, and you mentioned the idea of feeling safe in your body, how do you see safety impact people physically?
2: It's everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole reason we use tools like cupping and Graston and foam rolling and whatever else we do is because they're talking to our nervous system and they're trying to like we have different kinds of mechanoreceptors that lie underneath the skin and they respond to touch, pressure, vibration and heat. So now if we think about all of the tools that people (laughs) use on us, usually like, okay, even think of like a Theragun type thing, that's vibration. Think about getting a massage, that's pressure. Um, Think about, you know, getting cupping with the the flames in it, that's heat or using the stones, that's heat. So if we think about all these different things that people do onto us, it is just our bodies. It's our way of being able to connect our body to our nervous system and say, hey, you're okay, you're safe. And so that's how we can get that tension release in the muscle. That's how we can get things to calm down. We don't necessarily need to smash into it because we can't physically produce that much force onto a body to manipulate fascia in that way. We thought we did at once. <laughs> Research is now showing us that is not true. <laughs> so nothing that anyone is doing is creating that that force to change. Yeah, we can maybe create like quick little fluid changes within our skin and underneath like different layers of fascia, maybe more superficial fascia at first, but it's still not going to create a long-term change. What it does for that moment is it tells our nervous system that we're safe. And so if we can start to adapt practices that Teacher, nervous system that we're safe, then we can start moving in so many different ways. And so truly, truly creating change within bodies and relieving pain is finding movement patterns that create a non-threatening place of being. And I was just talking about this on my Instagram uh, yesterday because this got brought up in a post of like, how do you truly manage back pain? And my friends, they had posted this thing of like knocking all of the different tools, you know, and I don't like to knock tools because they're still useful in order for me to initially talk to that person's pain. But at the same time, I get where they're coming from because that's not the thing that's going to ultimately help you. Ultimately, we have to get you back into movement. What were the movements that sitting causing too much pain or standing causing too much pain, or now you can't sleep at night because you have too much pain. So how can we get you back into these basic life functions where we don't create this threat to the nervous system and the body is feeling safe and okay. And if we think about threat to the nervous system, think about like you're, you put a barbell on your back and you're like really setting up the movement because you're feeling like, Oh my God, I don't know if I can go into it rather than just like stepping back and squatting. Mm -hmm. So if you're really setting up a movement, like, do you really feel safe to go into that? Or think about like holding something and, and starting to sweat. Your body is now feeling a perceived type of threat starting to happen or Breath holding is a big one too. So like going into a movement, holding your breath, that also is like a perceived threat to the nervous system Of we're not ready to live here. So this isn't probably a safe position. And and fist clenching, face clenching, like we can think about these different things. Those are perceived threats to the nervous system. So anything that we do that causes that kind of reaction Is automatically like, okay, we're creating some threat. So, how can we take a step back, modify it, change it, do something different in order for you to feel safe? And then we can start progressing back.
0: Do you feel like people also identify with being in pain and then are actually more comfortable in that and then have issues letting go of that identity as I'm the girl with the hurt back or I'm the person with chronic pain? And they're never able to escape that.
2: 100%. Yeah. So I think the initial question has to be, if I were to help you along this journey of releasing pain, are you ready for that? Are you ready to release this pain from your life? And even though someone's initial at reaction is probably like, well, yeah, I came to you, obviously. <laughs> it's still like, okay, what would your day-to-day look like if you didn't have pain? How would your conversations with your sp- significant other, with your spouse, with your work, with your coworkers, like how would all these conversations go if you didn't have pain? Because if you think about it, like most people in pain, that's the one thing that they're talking about always, or they're being catered to because they're in pain or whatever it is. So you really have to set up what a different environment would look like for them and be able to have those conversations.
1: Yeah. I'm looking, thinking about now to... So when I was I played college football and then I, I ruptured the S one and then I had some nerve damage associated with that and I had I've had back issues up until the past probably couple of years and it was interesting to look the way that I treated competing in CrossFit and that was a I would say I was like a, a above average competitor I was good enough to where I wasn't irrelevant but I was never as I was never as good as I wanted to be it didn't matter looking back now I'm like I can't believe I wasn't satisfied with myself but had chronic back pain the entire time. And I realized that I was, I was using this sport as an adult to kind of hide from myself in a lot of ways. And the back pain was, and of course I had MRIs and I had disc issues, but lots of people have disc issues and have no pain. I have no pain now, right? It, it, was, it was this indicator that I was unwilling to listen to and respond to in an appropriate way. But I'm even curious now that was just me saying, I don't really deserve to be successful in this anyway, so I'm just going to self-sabotage through pain. Mm -hmm. Because my my discs aren't different now than they were then. I do the same things I used to do and it's completely different environment and everything's changed. Yeah. It's so, it's such a trip.
2: It's very interesting. But it's also like, what were people telling you? What were coaches? What were doctors? Like, And especially at a time when you don't know your own body well enough, like you do take these things on. And that's why I'm so careful as a therapist, too. Like, I don't want to overdiagnose. I understand you want to understand what's happening. So let's talk about your overall body. Let's talk about your overall environment. But we don't have to go into a one signal diagnosis because that's what people become obsessed with. And that's what people hold on to. Well, no, but I have this. Like I don't like to say your SI is out. <laughs> what yeah. does that even mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> if your SI was out. Like you'd be stepping off a curve and you'd have way a lot of problems, you know, or every single step we take, we're in a single leg stance. So <laughs> Like, how is that happening? You know? And so if we can start to shift the language that we're using, like your bulging disc or your, (laughs) these things that like people say about their bodies, well, my knee feels like it's exploding. Like, okay, whoa, we might want to pull back from that (laughs) a bit because what is actually happening and pull people back into the reality of what your body can do. And instead of what it's not able to do right now. So if we start to think about, okay, like, okay, yeah, sure. This is like, hurting right now, or this is what the MRI looks like. So how can we move around that? How can we maybe change it and maybe do something different? So ultimately help you get back to your goal rather than this is what you can't do anymore. This is what you're limited in. This is what you shouldn't do. Like we always put these like limiters on people, especially as MDs is what I hear a lot or like, Oh, well you're in your thirties. So maybe you shouldn't bike ride anymore because that's not good for 30s. your back. Well, oh what, God.
1: That's what they told me. I was <sighs> like, well, you're just never going to deadlift again. And I yeah. was like, I'm nineteen years old. I don't accept Isn't that, that crazy? and then I read I read uh Mark Ripito's book and learned how to deadlift a leg lift properly. yeah. and I was like, the day I deadlifted six hundred pounds that was like a strong man meet. and I was like, well, they were wrong. yeah, exactly. <laughs> everything worked out. I mean, I had I also had the other issues were more. I feel like the other issues were so much more emotional, but that one mm-hmm. was it was like I can't imagine somebody just accepting that, but most people do. most people, people say, do. hey, like that's what they said, whatever yeah. and I ended up going to a good doctor that uh I had some, had some cortisone injections and got, got some things right. But initially it was like, we'll just stop doing that. Yeah. And my quality of life would have, would have been so much different if I would have just listened to the person that I was supposed to listen to. Mm -hmm. And he gave me, he gave me some anti-inflammatories and sent me on my way. Yeah. Like, this is a joke what are we right. doing here?
0: I'm <laughs> curious. So yeah, it is. I'm curious. Um, m- so my background is chronic illness. I was sick for 14 years, misdiagnosed, how to stop playing volleyball at USC bedridden, like the whole thing. And when I first got sick, I mean, USC has world renowned doctors, right? So I'm seeing everyone, neurologists, rheumatologists, all these people, I did every scan known to man and mm-hmm. nothing ever showed up and no one ever thought to ask deeper questions as to what was going on. And now I understand there was a lot of emotional issues and trauma and things that were stored in my body that were showing up and flaring up. And my body was just freaking out. Yeah. When you see someone, and I mean, I'm projecting, I don't know if this has happened for you, but (laughs) I'm sure you've had patients or clients where there aren't things showing up on scans, yet they're in extreme pain and something is wrong. How do you deal with that?
2: Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, the, the famous physical therapy answer is always, it depends, Yeah, (laughs) but it, it does because it's like, okay, well, what is happening within their life and how can we start to address that? And so the first place I like to start with is just talking about the pain. Like how has this affected you? What does this mean in your body and how do you perceive pain? because I need to understand where you are with it in order for us to start to break down what this means within your own body. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a perception of pain that's so bad, that's so wrong, and you're continuing to have this every day, and then you're saying it's wrong or it's bad or I don't have time or I can't do the things I need to, like we're always increasing that level of stress um, and increasing that sensitivity to experience that pain as well. So I like to go into first like, okay, first background. Who are they? How does this happen? Like, let's spill it all on me. Like, you're actually <laughs> taught in PT school like how to draw people back into like, well, get them back into like what pain level they're at and where the pain happens and why. And the, I'm like, no, tell me the whole story. Right. Well, you <laughs> like, need to go big off picture. the tangents. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to know it all. Uh and so I think it's it's such a disservice that clinicians are taught to like, well, hone it in, come back. Like, don't let them go off on their pain story. And you are like, no, you need to. And I get it because usually most clinics, it's like a constant turnover. It is like you've got 20 to 30 minutes with your physical therapist, then you're on to the next. And it's just a hard environment, especially if there's a lot happening. There's like who feels safe in that environment to even unload everything or possibly cry. Pain is so emotional. So we need to allow that space as well for people to feel what's actually happening within their pain. So I think that's the first and most important place that I like to go. And then I do like to start at the breath because just like I was talking about, like that inhalation state is that stressful state and usually pain is perceived in that stressful way. Well, the other flip side of that is the exhalation phase. And if you think about it, like going to get a massage, it's like, ah, right? Like (laughs) that is the place that's actually going to get you to relieve that stress, to feel connected to your body. The only way we're going to feel connected. Connected and actually see what's happening is if I can decrease all these extra signals that you're throwing at your body right now. So if we can get you back into that exhalation state, actually feel what's happening. A lot of the time, like I've had people just start crying and they're like, I don't know why I'm crying. And I'm like, cause you actually feel your body right now. <laughs> or some people like they cry because their pain has suddenly of five years gone away from breath work. Right. And so then it's like, okay, well, this isn't the key. Like this is a step. And now you can understand that you can manipulate your pain just from breathing differently. That's a huge thing. So if your pain can turn off, that means you don't have to live with it. And it's getting that first connection to like, oh, this can be something that I actually start to work with and I can change and and manipulate. But now it's like, okay, now let's just get us off the table and breathing and see how we can change positioning Mm. and see how we can change movement. But it starts there. Um, And I do like to talk to people too about like, when they're feeling their pain, because a lot of people won't notice that it does show up more in times of stress or like, Oh, I went on vacation. I didn't even feel it. Like, Hmm. What do you think changed between your Monday through Friday was work the margaritas life? Yeah. Or- exactly. Yeah. Or like some people, you know, it was like, I, I've had a woman And she was like, oh, and I used to only treat on Mondays and she'd come and she was like, oh, it was getting better on Sunday. And I was like, no, I want this to be bad because I'm going to see Jen on Monday (laughs) and I need I need her to like know the experience of the pain that I'm having. And I was like, "Okay, let's talk about that. Like, so it was bad Monday through Friday. Like, what changed to make you feel better Saturday and Sunday? And she's like, oh, well, I'm not sitting as much at work. And I'm like, "Okay, like, yes, that's one mechanical factor that we could look at. But were you sitting in a car all weekend? Were you sitting to watch your kids play games? Were you sitting? Like, there's other instances that you're sitting still. So maybe that's not the number one thing. Like, what else could it be? And I'm not telling them. I want them to get to this answer on their own or else I'm doing nothing but just trying to, you know, perpetuate someone else telling you things. Mm-hmm. You have to come up to it on your own or else What are we doing? And is that really going to help you?
0: Well, and don't you think that in, especially in Western medicine and the way we were all raised, it was, oh, well just do what the doctor says and follow along. And they're your, they're your guru or your go-to person and they will fix you. And what I'm seeing now, especially in our generation of teachers and coaches and therapists is how do we empower our clients to take this on for themselves and learn that they are their own healers and that they have their power back. They don't have to give it to anyone else to fix Mm them.
2: Yes. And I hope that is like the continued message that people get even when it comes to pain in the body. Yes. Go to someone, get looked at, get assessed, allow someone to facilitate your journey and and put eyes on things that you don't understand, but you have to do the work. If you're just going to someone and you're like, oh, well, they adjust me every week and then I'm starting to feel better. They're not empowering you into your body. They're just giving your nervous system a quick moment of feeling safe.
1: We gotta jump in here real quick and interrupt Jen to tell you about our friends over at NED. And no, NED is not Kelly's side dude. Oh. NED is a premium, a premium (laughs) CBD company that takes their entire operation next level.
0: Literally launches you through the portal into space of CBD and healing, (laughs) anxiety, when you can't sleep, little drop under the tongue and there you go. What I love in all honesty is the good vibes that they're putting in here, Connor. Yeah,
1: they really they really treat the plants from from inception to distribution with a lot of respect and they're even playing binaural beats to their CBD oils and their other products before they send them out. Yep which I didn't even know that was a thing.
0: No, me neither. But I'm a
1: a fucking down for it.
0: Pretty sure they're the only people doing that. Here's the thing, they use a very gentle and slow, which is the way I like it, cold extraction for all of their products. Uh, It's very clean, nothing synthetic. We talked to the founder and they actually don't put any flavor in there on purpose because they want this stuff as clean as possible. So if it tastes like earth, that's what it's meant to do. And that's why it heals so well.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are just spicing this stuff up with all kinds of weird semi-natural flavors. I'm not about that. No. I want that CBD to taste like CBD. I wanna know that, I wanna taste the quality. Yeah. I'm all about tasting the quality.
0: Are you? I am. Uh huh. Um, I am on the Natural Cycles collection for all of my PMS bullshit that all you ladies can understand, and I absolutely love it. They have salves, they have oils, they have so many different options for whatever it is that you need, but really at this time, when it comes to anxiety and needing support in sleep and just overall peace of mind, this is our go-to. We've been taking it every day, and we absolutely love them.
1: Yeah, keep your circadian rhythms on point. Stay in stride. And uh, whenever this whole quarantine business is over with, you'll probably feel a little bit better. Getting yeah. back getting back in the groove is going to be uh, a lot easier if you keep your shelf in check.
0: Absolutely. So go ahead and go over to helloned.com babe or enter babe at checkout for 15% off your first order and free shipping. That's helloned.com babe. Get those discounts, baby.
1: Do it. You won't regret it. Now let's get back to Jen keep thinking about all the injuries I've had now. I keep
0: going
1: back, <laughs> keep going back and forth. But I think, you know, something I, I believe is that we do have all of our own answers. Yeah. Right. Or our body does stored somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most empowering roles for someone in this in this helping relationship, whether it be a physical therapist or a, a, a therapist or a coach. Is to offer perspective. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm giving you some, I'm giving you maybe language or maybe some insight that you don't have. But at the end of the day, I feel like that should all come back around to you being able to look within Mm -hmm. with a clearer lens. Toy. A little bit more access mm-hmm. and access to ourselves is where I feel those answers live more often than not mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, but it's that, that listening game is such, is such a, is such a trip. And I'm curious, what, what do you feel like is the primary boundary between people that feeling disconnected and, and having insight? Like what is the thing that people most often have to kind of that hump they have to get over?
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's allowing the space in order to connect, because mostly people want to be told what to do. Well, mm-hmm. tell me what diet to eat. Tell me what foods will, will get me skinny. Tell me what what exercise is just going to make me feel better. Like just tell me the thing that is going to help. And I get that. Like I understand where that's coming from, and I and I feel you in that. But at the same time, I. I can only guide you. I can only walk this journey with you. I have to be able to see it with you and and try different things with you and see what you're feeling and see how your body responds. Like everybody's perception of movement and what their body will respond to is so unique and so different. And I think that's what's beautiful, you know, And, and allowing that space and that journey to be unique. There's no one size fits all. And though that's the harder pill to swallow because then that means I have to do more work. Like I'm so exhausted, I don't wanna have to do more work. (laughs) But at the same time, it's empowering because it means that you have the responsibility over your own body and your own body is so unique. It is so different and it gets to be treated so uniquely different. Like I even remember when I went to a, a couples therapist and she was telling me, you know, well, she was telling me things that, I was like, I just, I'm not on board with, and (laughs) that's never good, but she even said like, well, this is the prescription. Like I am a therapist telling you, so this is the prescription that you have to follow. If you went to, if you had pain and the doctor said, here's what your prescription is, you would follow that. And I'm like, yeah, but if it wasn't working within my body, then I wouldn't like that. Like, I'm not going to go and just get a quick fix. I'm not looking for a cortisone shot. I'm not looking for a surgery. I'm looking for tools in order to access deeper ways of actually healing. And and so that's like, that's really what I'm trying to get at. And and there's always like, I like to tell people to look at an example of what you wanna be. So if you wanna be riding your bike still and your doctor is saying, well, you're in your thirties, you're too old to ride your bike. (laughs) Look at someone who's in their eighties, like find an example of something that works that you want to go into and say, okay, if this is possible, it might look different. Maybe it's riding a different kind of bike or doing something different. It might look different than what you perceived, but it can still be possible. And so find someone that's going to help you along that journey. Mm.
1: I feel like with this, this idea of taking the longer route, right, the individual route is sometimes a lot harder to sell. Right. On a, especially on a mass scale. And the people yeah. that come fi- come see you come seek you out are expecting that quick fix or expect- expecting yeah. the, the, the one size fits all type of type of approach because they've been sold that mm-hmm. over and over and over again by somebody who's looking to make a buck or mm-hmm. maybe even believes that they have those kind of answers, mm-hmm. you know. What do you feel like is the is the response in someone when some, when you have to share that with someone like Hey, this is gonna be your own experience. This is very much dependent on you. You're not like any other client I've ever had or any other patient I've ever had. Is that, are, do people receive that well?
2: I think nowadays, like because of the position that I put myself in, yes. I mean, I, people really have to seek me out. I don't work as much on a one-on-one basis anymore. So it really is like, you have to be willing to do this journey because I'm not going to do it for you. And, um, and I think people who do seek me out, they've tried so many different things Mm. that they're open now to like, take something new on, take a different idea, different approach. I love that. There's
0: so much curiosity in the work that you do. And I, I keep hearing you talk about different experiences, trying something new, putting yourself out there. And I hear that from him at 24 seven. So <laughs> totally get that. Um, and that's something that I've learned a lot, but I'm just wondering where curiosity shows up in all aspects of your life, because of course it's a driving force in your work and movement, but how does it show up in different aspects of who you are?
2: Oh, um, I think it's it's just constantly coming back into this idea of how can I increase my awareness of everything, of my environment, of food, of uh, people I'm around, of how I interact, of just... Deeper layers of me, like how can I increase that awareness? And that requires me putting myself in different situations and uncomfortable situations. I mean, I grew up as like the label of the shy one. Like I did Uh, not talk, I was the observer. I would sit in the back and wait for someone to come to me. Um, You know, I, it was hard for me. So even me just going into a room with people I don't know is still an uncomfortable situation. It's still me putting in work every single time that I'm like, okay, let's go to this event where I may or may not know anyone. <laughs> and then it's still a practice of like, even if I do see someone like, let me branch off and not just get sucked in and talk to them the entire time. Let me expand and, and stretch my own boundaries and talk with someone new and, you know, open up conversations. So it's still like a daily practice and in increasing my awareness Where is this really coming from? Why is this still here? How can I work through it? Um, And it's just, it's a continual journey. And that's what keeps me obsessed with movement, too. Like I just took a course this weekend, and it's just, it's a continual search to learn. And I think that's what keeps me so intrigued and so excited about it too.
0: I think it's funny because so many of the people that we interact with, I'm such an introvert and I was a TV host for 12 years. And when I tell people that they're like, what? And I host podcasts and run a company. And like, how is this possible? But so many of the people in this space are shy or introverts. And it's really a daily practice of putting yourself out there. What is the fear behind that for you of what it means if you just open up and take that risk?
2: Um, I think the fear underlying it is still, you know, will I be accepted? Will I be, am, am I enough? You know, and it's that underlying worthiness that still plays a role or creeps in of like, if I talk to someone new, would they accept me? And am I worthy to be in this room? And so it's still working through and breaking down. Those walls. I mean, I grew a social media by accident. I didn't know that I was going to come into this world and do this. And now I'm so excited to be here and I'm like, okay, how can I get back? How can I continue? But at the same time, it's it was a continual process. Like once once my Instagram started to take off, I was like, okay, let look at what I could do. Don't look at who I am. And I never posted face photos. I didn't post selfies. I didn't do anything until I started to like grow a little bit more. And then I was like, okay, let me just like dry a little bit. <laughs> <Put myself laughs> a little sprinkle of yeah, selfie in little here. <laughs> and then I remember like my first talking educational video I did. Now I'll do them all the time and I feel so comfortable with it. But my first talking video I did um <laughs> my friends at movie, which they're pretty big. A lot of people know them. They're chiropractors, and uh, my friend Mike. I posted my first talking, educational one. He was like, "It speaks." <laughs> <laughs> <That's>
0: so cute.
1: <laughs> I felt that same way when I was doing like s- Instagram story selfie videos. It took me a year to like wrap my mind around looking at the camera at my own face and saying something to people that were out there that w- that wasn't me. But it was it was the weirdest thing to have to overcome something that seems so silly. And then also it's really frustrating when like 12 year old kids are doing it and having 0% issues. They
0: give zero fucks. I'm
1: famous on Instagram now. It's like, what? (laughs) But it seems like you were like, you said you grew up by accident. It was this opportunity for you to do something different and get yourself prepared to do something different. Like like this thing is ready for me. Am I ready for it? Mm -hmm. And that, that seems like such an interesting process and even moving into new, new things. Like, I feel like you, you have a pretty firm handle on the way that you express yourself in physical therapy and the, and the common issues. So what's, what's next for you? Because I'm assuming the growth doesn't stop now, right? (laughs) You gotta keep moving. So what are you excited about going forward and, and how are you preparing for that?
2: Well, now I have a relationship that we're in so much alignment in terms of what we believe and how we treat and how we view physical therapy and the world. And he's also a physical therapist. So now it's stepping into this world of like, okay, can we start integrating? And what does that look like? And um, it's a it's me still breaking down the fear of that, too, because I've also been around couples who have started doing stuff together and then all of a sudden it doesn't work out, you know, or something blows up and and instead of sitting in the fear of what might happen instead going into like, but this is so exciting. And we have so much in common and so much that we can share. And he articulates things in a different way than I do, which is so beautiful. And we still believe in the same things. So if we can start to get this message across, (laughs) kind of like you (laughs) too. So if we can bring this message in such a beautiful way, like why not? Why would I allow anything to hold me back? And why would I allow fear especially to stop me? almost something that I've always wanted. I've always pictured. I remember even talking with a friend a while, like like this was years ago and he's a chiropractor. And so we were almost talking about a show that we could do together. And I wanted that like masculine, feminine energy, but we just didn't vibe on the same way. Like he doesn't believe the same things that I do. And we're still great friends. Like, no, I'm always open. I love people, but you know, in really going into something, I'm like, wow. I always talked about this. Like I always wanted it. It's so (laughs) cool that it's like now sitting here in front of my face. (laughs) So exciting. Yeah. I feel that way. I had, I
0: don't know if I've ever told you this, but, um, but way before we met probably a couple of years before I had this dream that I was going to meet a man and we were going to be in partnership, but he was also going to run a company with me. And I had had this dream to have my own podcast network, media company, something along those lines. And that's what we're doing now. And it's so wild to see it come together. And I'm with you. There is, of course, that fear of well, shit could just blow up one day. Like we could decide we hate each other. And then what do we do? Yeah, but shit can always blow up. But that's where I represent. <laughs> exactly. It's like, and this is in all aspects of my life where I'm doing this work, is I've created stories around what could happen and it's not even happened yet. Mm-hmm. And so my fear is around something that's not real. And so I'm trying to learn to dial it back and be in the present and know, wow. We have a show and a company and a house and dogs and we're so happy and and things are great and we continue to work to make that be great. Yeah. But you can't live in the fear of what could possibly go wrong because as much as I love to have backup plans and plan A through plan Z, it's like just be and allow for it.
2: 100%. And that's like how everything has happened for me is just like, oh, people are coming to my Instagram. I should probably start sewing, showing some shit. And so starting to like post about my calisthenic journey in PT school, like it then became a side hobby and then graduating and being like, well, I really want people to know that I have more than just how to do a handstand, but like (laughs) I can educate about their body a little bit. And so then stepping into that and being like, okay. And then that growing and being like, okay, then I just want to shift and be able to help people more. And so it was always this like, how can I step in how can I serve? This is being presented, and let me see what more I can do, you know. And so why would I allow that to stop me now? Like this is now being thrown in my freaking lap and it's amazing. So let me like get into it. And it's it's just it's so beautiful to be able to have that partnership with someone. Um, I just posted about this the other day, too, of like uh my dad has this amazing intuition, which you would never really think about he's like this mexican stern stoic like <laughs> he's always right about everything and <laughs> definitely because not because of in, his intuition in, yeah i know <laughs> now i know <laughs> but like he doesn't really show emotion that much and i've only seen him cry like a handful of times and he's just very like this his way and you know not as into personal development and all of those other things so when he had opinions on things, i would be like, "Yeah, but you don't understand." You know, especially when it came to relationships or anything like that. And I get like people have so different like views on family and all of those things. For me, I he called like my sister's ex right away. Uh, not like in terms of anything bad, just like, "Eh, there's a feeling. That's not right." And turns out that was right. And then he called it with my ex like He said it into a year of it and there was like his hard conversation and I cried Mm, and all the things. Cause like, Oh, how does my dad not like open up or appreciate the person that I'm with? And he, again, he said like, listen, he's always welcome. Like I'm always going to have anything that he needs here. There's just a feeling. And That was really, really hard for me, but I didn't listen. And (laughs) we always got to learn the hard way. So annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I needed to learn the hard way, Um, (laughs) but it was just so interesting. So then I learned and my perception after the last relationship was like, gosh, so many of my friends came to me with concerns and loving concerns and my family. And I just didn't take the time to listen. I was wanting something and forcing something to look a certain way or be a certain way. Well, now I'm stepping back and I'm really, truly appreciating that these people see me. And now I can see that. like They're voicing something because they see who I am. They see when I shine. They see when I'm not. They see when I'm trying to force something. And it's something that I hadn't been you know, wanting to be open to, it was like, no, I'm doing it my way. I'm doing (laughs) and being stubborn in that. And being open to that has just really dove me into my values and what I want and my non-negotiables so much more. And so meeting this new person, it was like, well, this is something that's so important to me. You want to be with me. You have to meet my family. You have to be in with my family, have to be in with my friends, my dad, like it just is a have to. And then after he's like met everyone and he's been around for a while, I asked my dad, I was like, okay, well, how about this one? And he was like, <laughs> he was like, oh no, you're good.
1: Wow. And it was I'm, sure, I'm sure he loved you asking him though, too. I
0: know
2: that probably meant a lot to him. <laughs> yeah. I, it was just so funny. And even my mom will talk about it. Like, yeah, your dad always knows. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. That's
0: adorable. <laughs> how, after after the last relationship and and i know that was difficult for you but how did you create the space and have the wherewithal to look within and take personal responsibility for yourself to now have this relationship
2: I had been doing a lot of work uh, during that relationship. So I think it was definitely in my life for a purpose. There was so much that I wanted to happen that I was like, I don't understand. Why isn't this happening? And so it would constantly be this like, okay, what could I open up to more? What could I be more aware of? What could I be more accepting of? What can, what do I need to understand more? So it was this constant personal journey for myself. And I did personal development programs, emotional intelligence. I read books, listened to podcasts, like I kept diving in. And so it was my time to really grow. And so once that happened, I knew for, um, you know, good getting out of a relationship like someone else's choices don't have to do with me. My own choices have to do with me and being able to step back and see like, oh, that just wasn't alignment and realize that there was like this just such a freedom because then I actually got to be in tune with my intuition of what is oh my god, like i I knew I got shingles, like my body was trying to talk to me. there was so much happening. I wasn't willing to listen though. And so once coming out of that and and realizing, I was like, oh my God, like this is such a powerful lesson. I can trust my intuition. And it doesn't mean someone is bad or wrong or anything like that. It just means this is not an alignment for me. And I get to trust that now. I get to really dive into like, well, how am I feeling with this situation? And am I vibing with this person? And if I'm not, is it because I'm afraid or is it because it's really just not there and accepting that and being in, in like, okay. And not judgment about it. You know, that was just so incredibly freeing and it allowed me to really step in and meet someone new. And I could speak into exactly who I am. What are my values? Like, this is what I'm sticking to. And I don't need someone like, this is cool. If you want to vibe with it and like, you're (laughs) in alignment, but if not, like, it's all good. It's all good.
1: That's such a good feeling. Yeah, I love getting to that point. And it was after my last relationship as well, where I was When you find, when you come out of something that's challenging like that, and then you start to acknowledge all the ways that you, you know, all the red flags you ignored and how things had gone, gone South and take responsibility for it and find gratitude for it eventually and start feeling yourself again. It's like, Oh God, like I've been missing this for way longer than I even recognize. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's so liberating. It's so freeing. I'm right there with you hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's a renewed sense of self as well. And I think a lot of times, you know as women were taught to be in like a service role of men and
1: exactly <laughs> <Just
0: kidding. laughs> how can i serve you connor um and in that you or we collectively tend to lose ourselves and our partners. And then we don't focus on our own core values, our own beliefs, our own desires, because it's how can I uh, shape shift and chameleon into being what I need to be for the relationship. And I always see this and I've experienced this myself. You come out of a relationship and there's this renewed sense of self and confidence. And it was always there. Exactly, (laughs) And you're like, Oh, I found the thing and it's like, girl, it has been there. Yeah. You have ignored yourself 100%. so hard. Yeah. And now you have this amazing awakening and your body is just like vibing. And yep. you know, I've I've come out of relationships where I'm like literally vibrating. I'm like the energy is so crazy. And you feel yourself again, like you said. And I think it's a really powerful time for anyone listening to. An opportunity to come back to yourself, mm-hmm. and like I said before, make space for what's available. Yes, because 100%. timing is everything, and a chance to be you so that you attract what's meant for you is the most important thing you can do.
2: Hundred percent agree.
1: So, when Joe's podcast coming out?
2: <laughs> oh, pressure! Um, I mean, <laughs> ASAP. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. And like a, well, some of this? the things are already recorded. So it's exciting.
1: Well, we'll hold off on releasing this until after y'all's podcast is Ooh. out. So do you okay, have, a, so you it's have out. you'll have, a game picked up? yeah, it's out now. Wow.
2: <laughs> Time
1: travel. Right. So what's, what's the name of the show?
2: It's the optimal body,
1: optimal body. And we will link that in the show notes.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank Jen, you so much.
1: You're the best. Where, where can everybody find you on Instagram, by the way, if they want to learn how to get their body right.
2: <laughs> Doc Dunfit. It's right. across think- the board everywhere. YouTube, Facebook, all the
1: places perfect well fucking love you jen thank you, thank you guys. give your boyfriend yeah. some love for us and uh <laughs> we'll see you next time thank you uh jenna scare everybody that's her
2: what Definitely a little babe
1: go check her out at doc jen fit on the social medias and uh, make sure to leave a review for us because you're gonna get some cool free treats yes and thank we all you. need free trees right now We're we're you know what we're also gonna do with those free trees is just Infuse a little bit of good vibes and some love in there because right now we're quarantined and everybody's cooped up. You just need a little loving.
0: You infused some good good vibes into me this morning. Oh, Jesus Christ! Damn, dude, stop! She You're went embarrassing there. me. You're embarrassing
1: <laughs> me. But for real, check out Jen, and if you love this podcast, share it with um, everyone you know and your grandma. And I assume that that's <laughs> it would be in the in the group of people that you know. <laughs> Oh yeah, Fuck your you grandma's into her. this. <laughs> Jeez, asshole. Okay, bye. Bye.
0: This show is brought to you by Soulfire Productions.